Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. This podcast is brought to you by Verizon Hub, the home phone reinvented exclusively from Verizon Wireless. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And as usual, I have sitting here right next to me, senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Shalom, Paulette. Well, shalom to you, too. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Yay. So we were, uh, I don't know, going to talk about some applications. Yeah. Mobile applications. Yeah, they're hard to pin down, but... uh, (sighs) Because they're mobile. (laughs) In case you guys didn't get that. Yeah, okay. It's because they're mobile. So yeah, we're going to talk about mobile phone applications and mobile device applications. Uh, it's the, it's the new big, big thing, right? I mean, well, mainly because smartphones have hit the consumer market. And, uh, now that they have and everyone's starting to pick up these phones that can do lots of cool stuff, they're like, where's all the cool stuff I can do? Yeah. And so yeah. we've got all these developers creating really interesting applications. So we wanted to talk a little bit about the different uh, app, app stores that are out there and, um, you know, what kind of sets them apart and maybe talk a little bit about a couple of applications that we use uh, because, uh, as many of our listeners have probably already figured out, uh, Chris is uh, worships at the altar of Apple and um, and I have sold my soul to Google. So we can uh, we can talk about the various apps we use on our our, our mobile devices. Well, um, what do you want to start with? I, I think, do you want to start with the actual, uh, apps themselves? Gosh, if, it, if we do, I got to turn my phone on. Okay. Well, let, let, you know, I feel like we should probably start by pointing out that this is all sort of Apple's fault for good or bad. Because, right. um, you know, when the iPhone was released, it was locked down. Ha ha. That's a big surprise coming from Apple. Yeah. Okay. Who'd so, yeah, exactly. Um, but with the uh, with the release of the second generation iPhone, known as the 3G iPhone, to confuse everyone, it's yeah, we talking had a about the about network earlier, and yeah. not the phone. <laughs> um, they also opened it up to developers. And um, yes, it is still very difficult for me not to uh, quote Steve Ballmer and say developers 15 times in a row. Um, so uh, you're making great progress. I know. Thank you. Except I mentioned it, so I didn't. So, uh, yeah, Apple, <laughs> Apple sort of, uh, unleashed the genie from the bottle in this case because, um, I don't, I think everybody else was watching. Um, and I think that what's happened since then has proved that. But at the time we are recording this, no. um, Apple is rapidly approaching one billion app downloads from the App Store. That is mind boggling. Well, a lot of them are free. So I but think even, probably even so, I mean, it. you know, you sit there and you think about it, you're like, okay, That's, well, that, that means that, you know, there, there's a very wide user base out there already. Absolutely. Um, in fact, I, I would go so far to say in the consumer market that the iPhone dominates the smartphone, uh, platform. Well, it was bound to happen because number one, they were the first. Um, and it's open not just to the iPhone, but to the iPod touch. Um, that and everybody else was sort of hanging back and watching to see whether they'd fall flat on their faces. Well, or not, and you which already, is smart. That was a smart strategy. You had some smartphones out there already. Like you had, you had a Nokia phone that was a smartphone. You had several Nokia phones actually. And then you sure. also had the Blackberries out there. Um, but those were mainly used by enterprise individuals. So we're talking about like high powered executives. And the, the Samsung and LG phones that have followed have been closed systems for the most part. Right. And, you know, Symbian, which is also, uh, well, you know, Nokia related at this point, 
So it's, you know, it's very, very limited as far as what you could do with it to the stuff that was on there. But Apple right. was the first one to really open it up and go, Hey guys, what can you throw on here? Right. And, and so they created this, um, this kind of realm for developers to work in. And, uh, at first, when we first heard about the application market, um, the app, app store, actually the iTunes app store, mm-hmm. uh, it sounded amazing. I mean, you had this idea about all these developers creating innovative applications that would turn your phone into all sorts of really useful devices. You could consolidate tons of, of electronic devices into one device, which gets to my favorite word, convergence. Ah, yes. But, uh, the applications would create, you know, would turn your smartphone into a cool device, into a freaking cool device because oh, yeah. it could suddenly do tons of things that, you know, you didn't even imagine when you first bought it. Um, as time passed that the, the, the glimmer kind of wore off a little bit, not a whole lot because again, iPhone has got a, 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 a pretty devout, uh, fan base, but on the developer side, there were some, there were some hiccups along the way. Um, one would be that Apple demanded that it, uh, review and approve all apps that would go into the app store. So you said Apple, not Nintendo, right? Cause I was thinking of, that's, yeah. yeah, that's sort of the Did same. Did I say approach. Apple? I hope so. Yeah. Um, I have a habit of saying the wrong name at times, no, so no, you no, never no. know. I, I'm teasing. Nintendo has a similar yes, policy that yes. they uh, are very uh, careful about the, the stuff that they release with their platform. Of course, Nintendo came to, came about right after the great, uh, home video game crash of the eighties. So it made sense. Nintendo was like, Hey, we're not going to let all these lousy applications or in their case, lousy games screw up our cool system. We're going to put a tight control on this, make sure the games are top notch. And that way we will sell lots and lots of product. Apple, pretty much the same way. Of course, you know, Steve Jobs has the, the, the famous, uh, um, uh, kind of philosophy that it has to meet his standards or else it does not go. Yep. And, uh, actually I made the joke about Nintendo, but really there, there, uh, there is another similarity because one of the biggest, biggest sections of the app store for the iPhone and the iPod touch is games. Yeah. They turned, Apple turned, well, they didn't really, but they sort of did, turned it into a, a gaming platform simply by making it available for developers to write games for. And the accelerometers inside the devices make it possible to uh, sort of operate the games like you would a Wii remote for the Nintendo because you can move, uh, you know, their, their physics games that involve moving the iPhone or iPod to touch around. And there are other applications, too, that involve shaking uh, the device, uh, Jonathan likes to, uh, suggest that Apple, um, did that on purpose so that you would drop it and have to go buy a new one. Yeah. For instance, uh, Natalie Del Conte, the, um, the reporter for CNET, I think she's on her sixth iPhone because she's dropped it so many times. Son of a gun. Yeah. Really? No kidding. I'm not joking. And I think her current one has a crack in it and <laughs> the, in the screen. It still works, but it's, it's uh, damaged. Okay. But, uh, okay. So that, that's basically how we got to this point. Uh, Apple had a runaway success with the App Store. Right. Um, and, you know, there are all kinds of games and other applications, even, even enterprise applications, which made sense for other people to duplicate. Right. Uh, in which case, you know, other people are starting to get into the act. Yeah. So let's look at some of the other choices Apple made. So they, they said they had to approve all applications. Well, how do you get an application into the app store in the first place? Well, that's a good question. You have to apply, right? right. Mm-hmm. And part of the application process is a, uh, there's a developer fee you have to pay to be, to have your applications considered. Right. 
which is uh, $99 per year with Apple. Okay. Um, so you have to pay this $99 developer fee. Then you go and you develop your application. You test it out. You make sure it works on the platform. And then you send it to Apple and say, hey, does this pass muster? Apple then reviews the application and then sometime, at some point, gives either the yay or the nay about whether it goes in the App Store. And if it goes in the App Store, you're golden. If it doesn't go in the App Store, you got to go back to, to, you know, you have to go back to design and fix it, fix whatever the problems are in order to get it in the App Store. Because the problem here is that you cannot, with a, a regular iPhone or iPod Touch, you cannot download any uh, application that is not in the app store. It has to be in the app store for you to be able to download it. Unless, unless you jailbreak it. Unless you jailbreak your, your phone in or your which iPod, case, in which case. There are a whole other problems that we, we could go into, but you know, we, it's not really necessary for this conversation. Yeah. Uh, the only exception that sort of falls in the cracks, maybe you have an excellent application and you submitted it, but Apple finds that you've duplicated functionality of one of Apple's applications, yeah. in which case they will tell you to take a hike. Even if that application that you duplicated hasn't even hit the app store yet. Yeah. Um, because that was the whole podcast thing, right? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. They, uh, there was a, a organization that created a, a podcast application. And at the time, uh, you couldn't download podcasts directly to your iPhone or iPod. You had to sync it. You with had to computer. sync it with your computer. And, uh, Apple said, no, they, like, you couldn't do it. And they eventually relented. The, uh, developer went back made some modifications, plus Apple had already added the functionality to its own devices. So there, there's there been sort of an accord, if you will, in that regard. But, um, yeah, if, you, uh, if you're if you a little too close to the mark, they won't let you in. And uh, just to go back to a little bit of the financials, if, uh, if it's an application that you are charging money for, so it's not a free application, you're actually charging for this, um, the developer gets to keep 70% of that, of that, cost of that, you know, of that purchase. The 30, other 30% goes to Apple. Um, here's where another sticky situation comes up because Apple has agreed that at least in principle, that if you need to return an application, if an application for some reason is not working properly and you have to have a really good reason, apparently they don't do it for just anything. But if you return an application, the developer is the one responsible for returning 100% of that application cost. Ouch. Apple keeps that 30% that they got at the initial purchase. So in theory, if you really hated a developer, you could buy a whole bunch of the applications, return them all, and then slowly bankrupt them 30% of the time. Assuming, of course, that you could prove that there was something actually yeah, wrong. Yeah, it would be tricky. It would not be easy to do. I'm just pointing out a flaw in the system. It's not necessarily one that you could actually exploit. Well, uh, but, but this 70 30, uh, division, that kind of set a standard too. Yeah, it did. You'll see that in other app stores as well. Yeah. And I think we should, we should start talking about them. Uh, you know, you are very familiar with the Android marketplace. Yes. Yes. I use it all the time. Google Android marketplace. If you have an HTC G1, then you have also probably taken a look at the Google Android marketplace. If you don't have an HTC G1, you can still look at it. It's not. You know, nearly as enticing if you don't have anything that's running Android, <laughs> but you can look at it. Um, and, uh, yeah, Google, when they were pushing the Android operating system, one of the big things they were pointing out was that they also were going to su- support a big community of developers. And so the developers, uh, were kind of getting excited about this. Google had a competition where they, they, um, picked, I think it was 50 developers 
who came up with really cool applications that would be um, uh, available close to launch for the HTC G1. And it would really show off Android's capabilities. Um, you can find a lot of the applications that uh, – well, not a lot, but you can find several applications that are available on the iPhone also in Google Android. And then there are plenty that you can't find on Google Android that you can on iPhone. There are a few that are Google-specific too that you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, Google charges $25 per year for developers to submit applications to the marketplace, and they do not require you to go through some sort of weird check system before it goes live in the marketplace. All right. So if you, uh, want, if, you know, the, if you're deciding, do I develop an application for iPhone where I may or may not be able to get it into the store or Google where I can definitely get in the store, but the customer base is smaller. I mean, there are not as many Android phone owners as there are iPhone owners. Right. So your audience is going to be smaller. There are a lot of things you have to consider before you can sit there and just say, oh, well, I, I want the freedom that Google gives me, so I'm going to go to Google. Well, you're not going to get as many people looking at your app. So you have to balance it all out. You know, um, they're, the iPhone and the HTC G1 are sort of seen as consumer devices. Yes. But, of course, there are business applications for them. Yes. Which might make some other people start to sweat, like, BlackBerry, for example, right. because they have a huge enterprise market. Right. Unless, of course, people start going, hey, those phones are cooler. I want one of those. Look at all the cool business stuff that I could do and fun consumer stuff. I could have one phone for both. Right. So now you've got the BlackBerry app world. Yep. So BlackBerry's gotten into the app game, too, and it's also tried to uh, entice developers to come in and create um, applications for the BlackBerry platform, the RIM platform. Yeah, you know, I uh, I took a look at some of the most popular applications right now. Of course, I don't actually have a BlackBerry, right? Uh, but you can find out information about it on the website, and there are they they are going exactly that route. I think uh, I think to use your favorite word, convergence. Yes, I think bi- enterprise and consumer stuff is going to converge on people's phones, right? Uh, regardless of who gives you the phone, right? So if you look at the iPhone and the Android, you're going to see a lot more quote unquote toys. Yeah. And then fewer applications. And then BlackBerry is the other way around. You're going to see more tools and fewer toys. Well, you know, I thought that. And there Am are things on there like, well, no. But, <laughs> I mean, you see things like Salesforce. Sure. And uh, the HRS Hotel Organizer and, you know, World Mate Live, which is a business travel um, helping, uh, enabling program. Uh, but there were other things, too. The mo- um, Among the most popular are chat programs like AIM and ICQ. Uh, MySpace, Pandora. Pandora is huge. I, uh, I was going to get into my favorite apps. The Android. Well, I mean, they have it for BlackBerry and the iPhone. I know. So Stop rubbing it in. Time. It's only a matter of time. But the thing is, um, you know, well, I was going to get into my favorite apps, <laughs> but uh, you know, Facebook. These are things that I would not have expected necessarily to see among the most popular BlackBerry apps, but there they are. But if you're looking for the, if you go, hey, I have a Windows Mobile device, I want to go to the App Store. You can't. At least not until Windows Mobile 6.5 comes out. Right. Which is when it releases. And while we're talking about that, we can also mention Symbian and Palm. Okay. Because they, they are also coming out with app stores. Now, Symbian's a little more complicated because it's on several different carriers. So that's going to be all, all sorts of mess. But Nokia is going to have its own, or Nokia, if you prefer, um, is going to have its own little app store. The OV store. Is that what it's called? Yes, OVI. I I it's officially opening in May. 
And so, it's available for S40 and S60 based phones. So by the time this podcast comes out, it may actually be open. That's true. It's not at the time of recording. However, there is a website for it and you can learn a lot more about what they're going to do. It's well, going to have a lot of location based stuff. Cool. And Palm has the Palm Developer Network. Uh, which is still in the early stages. Right now, they don't have any, as far as I could tell, I didn't see any information about how much it would cost to, uh, to assent, to apply to have your application in Palm's store. Because right now, it's all in the development stage where they're kind of testing things out. So, um, right now, it looks like it's free. Uh, yeah. but again, this is before any device can run any of these applications because the Palm Pre, they still, Palm at the time of this recording has not announced when the Pre will go on sale. Um, we expect that announcement any day now. Yes, actually, that's true. It's it's they've and they may have been even, rumored for weeks. Could have even announced it while we were in a meeting earlier today. That's true. We have not been able to check the news since since that meeting. So that's, that's true. Uh, I feel like you know that that's the thing is there are not many app stores that are completely open and ready for business, but there are tons that have announced it, and I bet there are more coming. And they all have to play catch up with Apple. I mean, but I don't Apple, think it's going to take them long because the developers who are working on these things, like, for example, there are Facebook applications for all of the major platforms that are available now. Mm-hmm. You you can bet that it's not going to take them long to catch up. Yeah, we, so, might, I mean, we might start seeing lines get drawn in the sand, and we may even see some developers decide they want to develop exclusively for one platform over the others. And then you may see really large develop, you know, developers say, well, we have to develop for all of them because right. we have to hit our all of our customer base. It'll be interesting. I, I'll, I'll be curious to see if this actually affects the, um, you know, which which phone comes out on top or if it'll just remain a very competitive field. I hope it stays competitive because that ends up being the best for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I guess we can talk a little bit about our favorite apps. Yeah. I what? mean, we've we've talked about uh, some cool apps in the past. Yeah. But uh, do you so want to do you want to do some uh, Android apps? Yeah. Well, I, one a lot of them are are apps that are also available on other systems. Like um, I have Shazam, yes. which is also available on the iPhone. Yep. And BlackBerry. Uh, and that's a an application where that um recognizes music. If you hear music playing, you can you can activate Shazam. It'll uh analyze the music and compare it against a database and come up with suggestions for what that song might be. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's pretty accurate. So that's one of mine. You, you want to flip switch off or you just want me to go through all of them really quickly? Uh, well, I was going to throw out Pandora, of course. <laughs> not not to jerk. Not to pick on you. Um, Pandora, I've got Last FM. That's true. Well, you know, the Last FM app is pretty good too. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and I've tried, I've tried several of the, the streaming audio apps. And if I had an iPhone instead of an iPod touch, it would be extremely useful because then I could stay on my cellular network and keep going and listening to music as I move from place to place. Sure. Uh, as it is, it's just sort of useful when I'm at a, when network where I'm not moving. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's fantastic because you get the power of internet radio um, over your cell phone, which uh, a lot of people think will be the death knell for satellite radio. Mm. Um, but it's very, very nice. And uh, like I said, the other ones, are, the other ones are really good too. I like last FM on there too. Mm. I've got a uh, Twidroid, which is a Twitter oh, yeah. client or the Android platform, which is pretty cool. They keep adding functionality to that. So I'm, I'm very satisfied with that. It does tend to, uh, Occasionally require a force close, but it tends to boot right back up as soon as you do that. So there are some stability issues, but uh, otherwise I'm, I'm quite pleased with it. Uh, I've got, let's see, the Weather Channel on here. I'm actually going through it right now. I've got the Weather Channel app on here, which is pretty handy. I've got, um, unless you're trying to look up weather at the Dry Tortugas, which is always wrong. Um, <laughs> I've got the uh, a, a compass program, a tip calculator, a stopwatch, 
of some voice recording software, Snap Photo, which is great. It has uh, some stability software in it so that your photos come out a little more sharp than they would otherwise. Nice. Um, there's some cool stuff. And also the nice thing about Snap Photo, it also has some uh, some cool functionality and lets you s- share photos through various applications like Twitter or Facebook. Um, just, you know, you just push a button and it sends it to your profile, which is also really neat. Um, for, uh, for Twitter on my iPod, I use uh, Twitterific from the, uh, the icon factory, which is, uh, fantastic. Um, I also like air sharing, which is, uh, and wireless file sharing client. So if I want to, um, send a document or, you know, take a document home, I don't have to carry a flash drive with me or save it online or, uh, carry my computer with me. I could actually upload it to my, uh, my iPod. And take it home with me and then download it. Basically it, uh, you allow, it allows you to add your iPhone or iPod to your network, um, and do it that way. Stanza is an ebook reader, which is really nice. Um, and it even allows you to down, download thousands of, uh, free public domain titles from places like Project Gutenberg and, uh, and other places. Um, plus you can, you can buy titles if you want to as well. And, uh, Boxy, which is, uh, fairly new to me. But um, I had had trouble using Boxy on my iMac at home because I had real difficulty getting the uh, the remote to work with it mm. because it's just not functional enough to to have you know to help me use Boxy. Well, this actually works as a remote. It syncs wirelessly with the iMac and lets me you know use it as basically a giant keypad. Cool. Um, so now I can really use Boxy on my iMac, and I'm really starting to get into it. So uh, it's very nice. You, there, Apple even has a remote for uh, iTunes. That you can sync up with your, your Macintosh and basically it will let you, you know, it, it has the code for that, that computer. And then you can go, you know, from place to place and, you know, play it from across the room or even not in the same room using your wireless, uh, connection. Very cool. nice stuff. Nice. And I mean, there, there are thousands more of applications. Yeah. The only other application I wanted to mention really quickly. Oh, yeah? Uh, very recently I wrote an article, um, which was called a uh, five green mobile apps. Oh yes. And uh, so I was looking at different mobile applications that would promote a green lifestyle. And I was trying to make sure I didn't, you know, favor one uh, platform over all others. So I was trying to find, you know, examples from all the different platforms. And I kind of hit a brick wall with BlackBerry. I thought that I found something cool when I saw an application named green finder. And it turned out that it's an application that tells you where the nearest golf course is. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, BlackBerry is not going to shake that executive elite, you know, exclusive sort of, uh, uh, image anytime soon, I think. I guess if you asked them, they would be okay with that. Probably. Well, uh, I guess that, that, that's about all I have for app stores. How about you? And I'm apt out. You know what? That brings us to Uh-oh. listener mail. Wow. So today's listener mail comes from Sylvia. That's a doozy. Here we go. <clears throat> Hi there. You recently had a podcast about digital cameras where you recommended holding your sunglasses in front of the lens to enhance the contrast of a scene with a lot of glare. For listeners who don't know how polarizers work, you should be careful to specify that the sunglasses need to be oriented the same way they would if you were wearing them, so that an imaginary vertical axis from the ground matches the vertical axis of the glasses as worn. Otherwise, you run the risk of actually enhancing the glare in the scene and reducing the contrast. This is also true of mountable polarizers if you have the kind of camera which rotates the camera lens as it auto-focuses. On another topic, 
you mentioned that a polarizer can protect the lens. That was Chris who mentioned that. Yes. This is true, but at a cost, since polarizers chew up some of the light and darken the scene. There are gizmos called daylight filters, which are just high-quality pieces of flat glass you can mount in front of your camera lens to keep it clean and protect it from the occasional whack on a passing doorknob. True experience. Listen to your podcast. I learned so much from you guys. Keep up the good work. That's our haiku. <laughs> Thank you, Sylvia, very much for that. That was uh, very informative. And um, uh, I'm, I'm so glad to hear about the, the daylight filters. Now, I, I wrote back to Sylvia and mentioned that uh, I use a, a little point-and-shoot cyber shot camera, so it doesn't really apply to me anyway. But, um, you know, for other shutterbugs out there, it's good to know. Uh, I have to admit, uh, maybe you do learn a lot from us, Sylvia, but I learned a lot from you, too. So uh, thank you very much for writing in. Yeah, greatly appreciate it. And if any of you have anything you'd like to say to us, you can write us at techstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can read our blogs at howstuffworks.com. Just go over there, look in the right-hand side. You'll see our blogs over there. And uh, everyone pretty much uh, here just about blogs at this point, it seems. So uh, you can see lots of different blogs about lots of different subjects, not just tech stuff. Although, of course, the tech stuff ones are the best. And if you want to learn more about apps and cameras and all sorts of other wacky technological gadgets and, and gizmos, you can at howstuffworks.com. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?